Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm Nick and this is... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you, Nick? I'm very well indeed. I'm very well indeed. Now, importantly, where are we? What are we drinking? We are online today. We in are. magical place. <laughs> in, in these nice little uh, portable recording studios. Um, but, I'll tell you what, um, I've got a lovely bottle of um, a Kilikanoon Shiraz. It's a 2017. Mm-hmm. This, is, uh, this is quite a nice drop. Limited release. Mind you, I've never seen a never-ending release so i don't <laughs> i don't know what that looks like but um this is from um, penwortham where they are in um south australia like it was a couple yep. of hours north of adelaide depending on how fast you drive a little bit less maybe but um yeah it's a um it's a beautiful drop they've, they've been around for quite a while they seem to be cool. a consistent performer and um yes they, they certainly haven't um haven't let us down this time well, that's good. Well, I have something different. I was up in the Hunter Valley this weekend. Oh, yes. I went to my, my, my really my favourite winery, which is a winery called, um, let's see if I can get it shot there, um, Gartelman. And this is a, a Wilhelm Shiraz. It's a 2019 yeah. Hunter Valley Shiraz. Um, really one of my faves. Just really light, easy to drink, mm. very, uh, lots of tastes and flavours and textures, but just, just a super, super Shiraz and one of my favourites. Mm. There, there are, um, there's quite a few lighter Shirazes up there. It's a... Mm. Uh, just the, the the area. I think um, there's a winery there. Ivanhoe does about the heaviest red in the in the hunter, and even it's not that heavy, but they um, they yep. sort of go to market that way. But uh, yeah, no, it's a if you like the lighter reds, it's definitely a place to be. Uh, it's kind of lighter, but lots of taste and body and, and mm. stuff too. It's a kind of wonderful, wonderful mix of things. They do a few. They've got a, a D trick and they've got a, a habit of naming wines after people in the family. Um, so yeah. Wilhelm was the guy who started the winery. It was his grandfather. There you go. Got just these little little bits of total wine trivia. But anyway, moving on. We're not talking about wine today, are we? We're not talking about wine today. No, no. Uh, we, we thought with everything going on, we should do a little bit of a security update. Just some general things about what's happening. And uh, it's a it, it's interesting because it's a it, it's a topic that keeps on giving. It, it is it is it's it's a it's a fascinating one and it, every day you hear of somebody else being caught by a scam or having their credentials stolen or losing money from their bank account or all these different things that go on oh, and look you, you hear these things and you go, oh yeah look come on really is there that much of it going on but you know i've even had close friends just work out that oh they've just given all their details to someone who wasn't actually from the bank that they said they were yep and why would they say they were not from the bank, if they were anyway. Another story, um, but and it's just yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things you've really got to be on the lookout for it. And you, do. you think, hang on, I'm on top of this, blah blah blah, and you realise you just step into some of these things without knowing. Yeah, no, you but do you absolutely, and there, and um, you've got to be really on alert you've got to look at every email that comes in yeah it's fine for us to go don't click on attachments um and all the other pieces of advice we give um but you've just got to be really alert whether you whether or not you're tired it's the end of the month there's lots going on you've just got to be brutally alert there aren't enough systems out there that can protect you protect every malicious communication coming to you 
No, no. In fact, the, the smart hackers actually work out when is the worst time for you to receive one of these things. So like they will actually do attacks on organizations right at the start of a long weekend when they know all the staff have gone off on leave on yep. holiday somewhere and the, the organization is going to be running on a skeleton staff or something like that that's going to take them you know, a lot longer to respond. Yeah. Um, or, a, or they'll get an educational common. establishment right at the end of term when all, all the teachers and staff are really tired and that's when they'll go and try and get access to confidential information. Yeah, it, it, it happens. And if you're a target in that respect, it's actually a big problem mm. um, because it's yeah, people are paying less attention and all of a sudden, bang, something happens. You go, oh, what did I just do? So it's, um, it's very interesting. Um, I'll tell you what, a credit card skimming. Well, this is all the rage, right? It was, yeah. it was the, it was the big thing. You'd give your credit card at a restaurant, and somebody go off and they clone it. They make a copy of your card, or you'd go to an ATM, and that ATM would have a different reader put in front, so it looked perfectly mm. normal. But you put your card in, and it would grab the details of your card. They even had one of them at a uh, McDonald's. They found one. Wow! And someone and they and this is if you notice at McDonald's now, if you ever do the drive-through, not that I really do that very often but um they don't actually hand the machine over to you anymore it's it's either a tap but they're always hanging on to it yeah because um, used to be yeah they've actually in the past when when this was first done they actually passed the machine over and people would grab it and take it inside the car and tap the card and get it working and hand it back well someone's gone and put a skimmer on top and yeah the the young person taking all the the orders has got no idea what it is so it's part of the machine okay and all of a sudden, you know, a week later, they work out someone's actually skimming all this stuff sitting in the car park collecting data. So, no, this is interesting. But the um, the chip and pin thing seems to have had an effect yeah. on that. It, it has. So, look, if you – the original skimming concept was uh, you've captured the credit card number and mm-hmm. you've um, you've got the person's name uh, and to some degree you've got their uh, expiry details, whatever the card. And that, depending on where you are in the world, that's actually enough. Yeah. Um, there's we, in Australia we're fairly advanced. We have the the chips on the cards now. We have the smart cards. We use the actual machines, um, the FPOS machines that have got the chip readers in them uh, to verify it's the real card, it's authentic, the encryption keys work, and so forth. Um, in the US, a lot that's not so much a big thing. It's, it's have they still on. got the old chick, chick machines? Ah, oh, they they. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I haven't seen them there in a while. Having said that, I haven't been there in a couple of years, so um, it's. Uh, I don't know. I, what I can tell you though is that there is still a lot of sign happening in the US. Um, you can swipe your card, uh, and they still ask you to sign the sign the receipt and compare it to the back of the card. So in theory, if you know what you're doing and you've actually got the credit card numbers from somewhere and you've, you've gone to the dark web, for example, and bought a whole list of them, you can just get them printed on ABC credit cards because you could actually say ABC bank with a picture of a bank. No no one behind a till is going to look at that and say, that doesn't look like it's a card from ABC bank because there's so many banks in the US. You just wouldn't know. They've just got to compare it to the signature on the back of the card. If the number works, as in it hasn't been detected, and you can you know, scroll something with your left foot on there as long as you can reproduce it, then away you go. It's yeah. you've just you know got a card, and they they were worth quite a lot. But um, I've seen recently the the people running these programs because they were getting up to ten or twenty dollars a card, and they they go and collect lots of these things, and for years they were making like hundreds of millions of dollars out of this. They've started retiring. 
Wow. Not, yeah, well, yeah, as in they've, they've done this for so long, they've got so much money, they're actually retiring, but they're not selling the businesses anymore. It's it's getting to be a lot harder to do because of the chip, additional security controls, a lot more focus on things. Um, it's a lot faster to report stolen cards now and have them, you know, it's not just like the old click-clack machine where you'd have to ring up on the phone anything above $50 or $100. Therefore, you know there's a, a window in there of you know, a few days or weeks um they yep. used to print off the stolen cards and mail them to people on paper oh wow yeah no that's that's sort of changed so, and, yeah. so that's got better and there's also you know i know the banks have got better with algorithms looking at purchasing habits and things and going there is no way you can make a purchase in sydney and an hour later be making one in perth off the same card that's right that's right and um, i think i mentioned this before i had the, the bank room me once and they said did you just buy a cow and a jet ski. <laughs> no, I did not. Fair um, cop, Gov. I did buy the jet ski, but the cow's not mine. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, clearly one of my cards had gotten out this. I have no idea how. <laughs> that it happened. It, it's a retailer that's been compromised, that, and you don't know why. So, yep. um, but yeah, but it gets caught very quickly, and all those anti-fraud detection mechanisms are in place. Anyway, so it's a lot harder to get money out of the credit card game now. And they're just saying, um, and with the the pressure that um, they're being put under now by some governments to say, hey, you got to stop doing this. We're you know, we're copying a bit of flag for for you guys doing this now. Go find yourself a real job. Um, yep. Yeah, they're um, they're actually stopping and retiring and not actually selling the businesses on. It's just all too hard. They want to go and hide on their island somewhere and just be nice. That is fascinating. Well, that's that's credit card skimming, right? All the rage it used yeah. to be. There's something that's also always been all the rage, and still is all the rage, yeah. is good old fishing. Oh, malware so and let, fishing. Let's, we should explain what fishing is before we yes. go on. So, Scott, what's fishing? Um, let, let's say um, I want to get hold of your credentials. Yep. I'm going to go and send you a fake email, and that email is going to say, hey, um, import, something important has happened, an error has occurred, you need to change your password now, click here to reset your password. And it'll be dressed up and look like, for example, a Microsoft account or, or a bank account or a, uh, like, a, like the bank has sent it or uh, one of the utilities you use has actually sent the email um, yep. with the idea that you go in there and actually you put in your user ID and password and try to log on, but you're not actually logging on to the bank or the utility or to Microsoft. It's actually someone else's software. Yep. And um, they've now captured your user ID and password. Thanks for that. Off they go, trying to log in and use it on all other places on the internet to see where else you've used that password. Where can they get into? What's financial? How can they very quickly make some money? They're very efficient. And, and it's also making use of people's laziness, right? People don't want to use multi-factor authentication because it's hard. People don't want to really look in any depth at emails they're receiving. They go, yeah, I'll just, I'm busy. I'll just make it happen. Damn computers, damn IT, um, and people are getting caught all the time. And and you know, I've heard people say as much as a quarter of people in an organisation would fall for one of these. And um, are you seeing those kind of numbers? It, we we, we uh, it's it's not good. Um, it, it's not good. And look, they're they're becoming a lot smarter. These uh, it, they used to be fairly sloppy, and you'd be able to pick them up by oh look, it's it's not written by someone who's very good with English. You can see they're missing words. Would a would a bank or a financial institution send something out that looks like you know someone's 
drawn it very quickly or put out, you know, that, that's not really their logo. Um, doesn't yep. go to a random site that's actually got, you know, how would, you know, this is randombank.com or something. Well, that's not my bank. I, you know, I, I go somewhere else. Um, and this is the, the thing there, but that's the old stuff. And this has been going on for years and years and years. Um, it, it's gotten to the point now where these these um, malware emails are actually getting quite detailed. And you've got to be careful now. And this is also why there's a lot of malware filtering in um, email accounts and yep. why you try to, um, you know, to to filter these things out. But you know, we, so, we've been talking about it for a while, for like you know, years and years. Yes, and years. It's, but it's... Um, it's still a massive industry. But it's I think also, also the other thing is people don't realize, you know, there are systems there protecting you, you and your business from a whole bunch of these things coming through. But there's still some that get through the cracks. So you can't mm. abrogate your responsibility back to your stuff. Now, give, give me an idea, Scott. This whole, you know, phishing, you know, hacking, is it a big industry? Is it a small yeah. industry? Uh, well, based on reported data... Um, Australians lost $300 million to it in 2021. And in the first three months of this year, uh, that figure is at $72 million. Wow. The first of reported of breaches. Of, um, of, of money that has been lost as a result of generally malware and breaches and, and things. It's, it's real. This is real money. And it's not that one poor dude just lost $300 million. No, it's like 100,000 people each lost a few thousand dollars each sort of yep. thing. It's, yeah, uh, smaller amounts, very quick, hard to track. And once it's gone, hey, it, it's it's gone. Yeah, so that's it. so I mean, you know, we always talk about it being a big thing and being you know, almost bigger than the illegal drug trade and all these kind of scary messages oh. we're given. But what, let's go through some examples. There have been some re recent quite exciting breaches, and I know everyone hangs on <laughs> to hear the breaches because it, it's like it's like chasing an ambulance or watching Formula One, right? You're just even in it for the crashes. Um, so you got any examples of some breaches? Oh, the, the, the breaches are getting um, bigger and better. And um, you know what? It's... In the larger organizations, because they're so big, you can put all the security controls in place that you need. But unless you've found every last little nook and cranny of everything that you've ever put in over the years, um, that is the weakest link. And this is the yep. thing. Um, we had um, TransUnion recently in South Africa. They're like a finance insurance sort of broker company, specialist insurance company. Um, hackers were able to get into them and uh, access all of their data, or quite, quite a bit of their data. Uh, they um, they posted a, um, a $15 million ransom request to not release it. Um, but the, uh, they also said that um, the, they used a brute force attack because the <laughs> organizations had these systems available online and the, um, the password they got in with was password. Oh, no. <laughs> so the brute force attack didn't take very long then? It didn't take very long, clearly. Um, this was some system somewhere that just was old. Yeah, see, like like most most of the attacks, you know, the big attacks in big corporates, the issue comes when you you go and you hit, you know, this old system sitting in the corner that nobody's patched or looked after. It's it's there, yeah. it's online, and it gives you a way into the business, right? Well, yeah, and this this was um, some user account somewhere that still had a, a password set as password, and they had enough rights to be able to go in and uh, get a fair bit of data out of it. Yep. Um, to the point where they the um, the hackers were actually saying, look, it, it wasn't overly that difficult. All we did was just use this password called password and we got in and saw the data and we took it. Yep. Um, 
what do you do? Uh, so there, there is that. Um, there is the concept of do you pay the ransom as well? And look, well, the, did they? Do you know if they did in that case? I, I don't believe they did. Look, the the general concept is never pay the ransom as a, as the recommendation, because what normally happens after that is a second request for another ransom. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, that's been pretty common actually. Uh, and this is um, this is the thing to the point where it's not. Uh, I think the in, the hacking industry has done itself a disservice by being so um, uh, no, no honor among thieves sort of thing. Yes. Yep. Oh, look, we got you know we got a bucket of money this time. Ah, hey, surely they got more. Let's try again. We still got the data. Hey. <laughs> um, so that's that's been happening quite a bit now to the point where you actually can't trust anybody to do what they're going to say anyway. Yep. So why give more money to? Why give more money? And it's yeah. like you you go and pay your bit of a bitcoin to the um the people who've done the ransomware attack on your environment, and they're gone by the time you pay them the money. So you're still not going to yeah. get the keys. But that's right. They, they've got the bitcoin, and, and you don't know who they are. You know, why would anyone give it back to you? Yeah. So that's interesting. For sure. Uh, so that's that's like a finance company being hacked, but surely yeah. surely tech companies aren't being hacked. Oh, so this this is interesting. We we had a big one in the last couple of weeks with with Okta uh, being hacked. And now, if you know, OKTA, if you don't know who they are, they are actually one of the secure authentication providers. So the idea is, if you write an application, or maybe you've got a SaaS application or something like that, um, and you don't want to have to manage the whole identity part of the uh, of the equation, you don't you just want to know that. Um, your users have authenticated with someone somewhere, there's actually providers that do the authentication piece for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okta's one of them. They're, they're quite big uh, globally. They've got a lot of clients. Um, and um, it, now, in their case, uh, they were hacked and an amount of client data was extracted. Um, strangely enough, though, and this is something we're starting to see more of, it wasn't actually them themselves like the actual organization themselves that were hacked it was one of the third parties they work it was one of a bit of their supply chain and that's that's a new thing to watch out your supply chain getting hacked oh and this this is a big thing coming up um and especially since look we when we uh we talk to clients they're not likely to be the global you know hundred billion dollar businesses with all the branches and sort of in that sort of thing they're likely to be slightly smaller organizations what they are usually, though, is part of that supply chain to the larger organizations. The larger organizations have spent years and years now locking security in place, putting all their systems, putting their processes in, and they're actually fairly well established now, aside from the really old computer in the corner that no one remembers. But um, they're fairly well well sort of set up now. They're the like they're not ever going to be 100 but the likelihood of a breach coming from standard operations is small because of all the work they've done um where the issues are going to be coming from are all the third parties they work with and yep. we see that we've seen this a lot over the years and there's a lot more focus on it now we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute no that is so, that is that yeah. is interesting so so i know there's the octa one but um i had an interesting one and i was debating this one in my head the um mm-hmm. samsung got breached and the hackers stole part of the phone source code. And I know that we store source code um, in a version control system. Um, it's one of the public ones. It's owned by Microsoft. It's, it's normally pretty secure, but obviously these things can be breached. But I know with our software, um, if someone was to hack our software, our source code, they don't actually get anything that's going to give them 
access to things. We keep our encryption keys and our private keys totally separately. Now, I know that's kind of a new thing. Um, and I did read this morning that GitHub will no longer allow you to upload security keys and encryption keys to the source control system. But what happened here was they got the phone source code and some keys at the same time, right? Um, yeah, and particularly they got the phone source code around the encryption modules um, that make use of all the keys. And so we don't, we don't, we, so so that that I don't mind because PGP, pretty good privacy, which is one yeah. of the first encryption modules, was open source, and the reason they made it open source so that everybody could read it and prove that it was, you know, Bitcoin, the software that runs that billions of dollars of cryptocurrency, is open source. If you can read that code, you can read it. It's it's that's I don't think is the issue. It's when you let a key out. That it all goes yeah. to custard, unless your encryption software is rubbish. I, I do remember PGP when it first came out. The uh, the developer got arrested very quickly thereafter um, because the the process was actually so effective that the uh, NSA and FBI at the time were unable to break it. Mm. So he was deemed to be you created something via which a, a terrorist or someone can actually use to. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think if, if I remember the time, they got him on breaching the U.S. technology export laws because mm. he made it available globally. The country that the countries that the U.S. don't want to get encryption technology suddenly had encryption technology and they arrested him for breaching those laws, which was yeah. which was really quite fascinating. I do, never, do remember that. Never the intention, but of course, when you release something publicly, that's what happens. It's yep. so especially, especially when it's good. Oh, yeah, well, cool. Selling news so, today, too. Yes, but it's not just it's it's like the big guys, right? It's Microsoft got got done as well a oh, bit. They they did. They lost all their um, source code for I think Bing and Cortana, some other projects. Um, I don't I don't know. In, in some respects, if if that happened, you'd just sort of make it open source or something the next day if you're worried about it. But yeah, well, I would say yeah. a lot of the Microsoft software we use is open source. Right? Microsoft mm. big open source proponents. All the dev stuff we work with is is open source. So that's and that's handy and useful if you can read that mm. code. And, and Nick, when we talk about open source, what do we mean? Well, it's not free as in beer. Um, so <laughs> this is the word they use. So, so open source means you can read the source code effectively mm. it's all governed by different licenses um but it's used it's used in a couple of ways first of all um you know there's there's certain types of software where it's just really hard to monetize or you don't want to monetize it or you want to create a community around growing the platform so things like .NET, for example is now open sourced by microsoft so people can grow the platform in fact we're looking to contribute some software to .NET 7 mm. um and so lots of, they get more people involved more people contributing um but some of that's still governed by microsoft license agreements and some of it's governed by really permissive license agreements like the mit agreement that we're looking at today um, and so open source doesn't mean free software necessarily or that can mean that um, but it means it's open you can read the software you can understand how it works you can suggest changes to it but it doesn't mean you can change it either you can suggest that you can make your own copy and change that but it's yeah it's it's lots of things around that but it's a really viable business model now it is, and it's becoming quite popular from a security point of view too because you can actually have people look at the code and say, I can see that code, that this is the application I'm running. I can see the source code. I can see it doesn't have any backdoors in it. I can see it's not going to go and copy all my data and send it off to some random website. It's You've got all these people looking at it. Um, yes. It's actually quite interesting. And that's really good. And we, you know, we, we did our first piece of open source software 
as Hub One really early on, we wrote a utility that allowed PowerShell to talk to a Zero Practice Manager. Um, we weren't going to maintain it. We didn't use it. it. Was handy for something we did previously, and we put that into the open source world. And mm. a couple of people offered some changes, and it was more people are looking at it, so it makes it better. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Um, so th- these recent large scale breaches that we've been seeing, like the the Octas and the Samsungs and the Microsofts and that sort of thing, uh, there's one group called Lapsus. Um, it's an L-A-P-S-U-S dollar sign. And it's always a dollar. Stuck, yeah, it's always a dollar. <laughs> they stuck their hand up and said, hey, that's us. And, yeah, they're sort of self-promoting themselves as well. Uh, well look, re- recently uh, in the UK, seven, and they said teenagers were arrested as part of the group. Um, and those teenagers were between 17 and 19 years old. Yep. And I'm um, looking at it going, huh, what, they're the global um, yeah, hacking group. Uh, and they've just actually charged two of them in the last few days. Wow! So, so a friend, uh, well, someone I was at school with got arrested for um, breaching Prestel, which was an old huh. uh, online emaily type service that was fairly big back in the UK. Um, but he 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 did a breach of that and got access to some things he shouldn't and got arrested for that. So teenagers have been doing this forever because they've got lots of time on their hands. That's very true. Yeah, this is where you have the um, what is the, the black suburbans turn up at the door and uh, so where's this person? And you hear this, Johnny, someone yeah. at the door for you. And yeah, have you, have you, kid you, turns you, up. I think anybody of our era would have watched War Games, right? With, oh with, yes, with Matthew yes. Broderick and Ali Sheedy. Yes. Um, yes, but yeah, that's that kind of thing. Um, and everyone goes, "Oh, that would never happen." But yeah, I, there, there's yeah. lots of that that goes on. Yeah. So the one thing is is clear: the vendors are constantly improving security. Now there's always uh, updates and patches, and it's a very strong focus area. I think in the past you you would never see this level of sort of security awareness coming out of the vendors, but they are very um, aware of um, getting bugs fixed and um, and so forth now, and also getting things out there fairly quickly. Um, but we did we did see something interesting with one of our vendors. This is, um, this is a networking vendor we uh, we've worked with, and um, they um, they sort of I'll, I'll say went the other way uh, because of a customer requirement where their systems were too hard to change. They actually made security easier by allowing single character passwords. Oh my goodness! Uh, I, I, look, I, I'm I'm sort of in one respect or in a commercial sense, I can see you know big big customer requirement. They'll buy lots more. Uh, great. <laughs> in, in another respect, no, that's just wrong. Why would you do that? Surely the answer should be go change your systems and make them properly secure. Well, also you yeah. shouldn't be you shouldn't have routers and switches managing, you know, security lists of people who can log on, right? You should use a, a central <laughs> directory which is you know military grade and blah 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 blah. But a single character is kind of scary. Yeah. That means you only need to try it twenty six times. Well, that that's just it. Look, I'm sure the the client in question has got their security sorted out, and they've they've assessed the risk and worked out that look no one's ever going to get access to this section of our network so it doesn't really matter um the problem is though that everybody else using these offerings is now able to just put a single character in to get get themselves going and then now a a security and a week exposed along the way so that's super scary so 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 let's you know that's all the scary stuff right we talked about credit cards some phishing we've talked about some big breaches but what's some general advice that people can go and do today what where where we are focusing right now is trying to get people into um, password tools, such as like a LastPass. 
Um, and if you don't know what LastPass is, it will actually generate secure passwords for you. Um, and you yeah, know, 10, 20, 30 characters of random symbols and letters and numbers and all sorts of stuff. It'll store, it'll use that for you at the website and then it keeps them locked in a database, little tiny database. It sits on your machine. Uh, and you've got to have the key to unlock that database. Now, yeah, you sort of say that, okay, hang on, all my passwords are now stored in one place. Well, yes, but they're encrypted and, you know, it's better than you using the password Fred everywhere on the internet where people can guess it. You're better off having a, a randomized 26 character password everywhere that changes everywhere on the internet and at least internally just using your Fred password in one place, although hopefully you're using more than just fred um but yeah, you know um, and, and that's that's yeah. yeah statistically you're dead right right the worst thing you can possibly do is use your work email address log into everything using it with the same password because if you're fished they've got everything just immediately that, that's right they'll take your password they'll vpn into your organization they'll get into your emails they'll start sending stuff out but that uh, as well as as well as using a password generator which is useful mm -hmm. there's another way as well isn't there and this one helps a lot yes multi-factor authentication oh, MFA. Good on MFA. Um, it's a little um, code that changes every 30 seconds to a minute uh, and it's sort of synchronized such that you'll always know what it is and you link that in as well and the idea is that that's something you have on you but it's not stored online, yep. um, so um, so that works. Um, but this is the uh, and this is the thing we're seeing with um, insurance companies now. They're saying, hey, if you want to be insured, do you have MFA enabled in your organisation? Uh, like, are you using secure passwords? Are you following these best practices? Um, the insurers have lost so much money over the past few years understanding how to properly process um, cyber crime and cyber insurance claims that um, they're starting to really get detailed and locking this down now. And if you don't have these things in place, either they'll reject your application for insurance. They'll say, well, we're not going to insure you. You're just too big a risk. Or your premiums are going to be four, eight, ten times. And we see this in the US right now. Premiums are skyrocketing for uh, cyber insurance um, just to try to get back some of the money that's already been lost. So um, the more secure you can be, so there's a couple of simple things, but we talked yeah. before, right, about Okta, who were hacked using a third-party support system, part of their supply chain. What yeah. can people do, what, like a little lens on the supply chain, what can people think about around that? Well, so you're, as an organization, you are likely to be part of somebody else's supply chain, as in you are a supplier of goods and services to somebody. The bigger they are and the more focused they are, those requirements for security are going to start being passed down. If you can't show that you're certified, and depending on what it is, it could be like you need ISO 27001 certification, or no, you need to have these 10 things in place that we can show. And it's more than just tick the box to say you have. It's actually we're sending the auditor over so that you can demonstrate the level to which this is done in your organization because the third-party supply chain members have now been identified as the weakest link. Yep. And it's quite possible organizations are going to start losing contracts because they just cannot or don't have the security controls in place to make their um, the, the person or the organization they're supplying secure enough. Sure. And of course, sure. every organization supplies somebody else who supplies somebody else. And this is where it's all starting to, the, the broader supply chain is starting to bring itself up. What, um, what, about, what about vendors and technicians who actually come on to your network? 
Now, I know we talk about the zero trust environment and the fact mm. that everyone can work from anywhere, but there's still, there's the network and the firewall around it, and you're going to get vendors and people bring their own machines on. Well, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is a key part of it. I mean, the original target hack from, when was that? Quite a few years ago That's now. A while ago. Yeah, that was an air conditioning vendor who had come on to the, into the store, plugged in their little laptop to do their air conditioning work, and it plugged it into the corporate network. Uh, it was allowed in, and um, yeah, they had their air conditioning tools, but it was a, it wasn't a target laptop. It was a third party laptop. It had all sorts of stuff on it, and now you've got this random machine that you've got no security controls, no antivirus. Maybe it could have viruses on it already, or malware on it. It's just waiting, um, and this is where we're seeing the smart hackers realizing that the global vendors and the large companies that are um, that where, where the real money is are too hard to get great work out who are the supply chain people that are sending people on site with laptops or who's doing work for them go attack them because it is significantly easier and now we're seeing that focus point where all of a sudden you were too small to be of really great interest um, as a small business so you only got the general hacks sort of stuff or the the really easy hacks that you know people not protect themselves against Um, now you're starting to be focused on it's it's very dangerous it is and it's scary right um yeah. i remember small accounting firms saying to me oh no 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 we'll never we're just small we will never get hacked and of course now you will be now you will be so that's supply chain what can we do with yeah. staff because staff then become all right we'll fix the vendor coming in or the technician coming in with a machine right i've looked at my supply chain mm. what about my employees surely they're now the weakest link when i fix all of those mm. They they are, and there's a couple of parts to that. One, they need to be trained in cybersecurity awareness. You need to know that your staff have got a certain level of knowledge and they're not just going to put their passwords into any given site that asks for them. Yep. Um, work with your IT providers around that. Um, look at security and compliance training tools. There's, there's a lot out there these days. It, they're not expensive. Um, it could only cost a few dollars per staff member or something like that, yet you know, you're paying someone a reasonable sort of wage to be there, spend just a few little, a couple of cups of coffee somewhere and actually give them some security awareness training to um, to protect all your data. They're the ones who are now considered the one of the biggest breaches. So, Yeah, no, for, yeah. for sure. So so given all of that, what do you reckon yep. the focus is going to be for this year? Right? We're in oh, 2022. It's some, April already. Not yes. you know, We've already done Q1, so. And we saw this recently in one of our industry updates, um, compliance and governance. It's it's been in the the top end of towns or the larger organisations for um, for the last few years. It's flowing down and it's flowing down quickly. And keep up to date. Keep your technology current. Train your staff. Start to put some compliance in place, uh, and look at the programs you're using to manage it. It doesn't have to be detailed, but you need to at least start getting the basics in place. And if you don't know anything about this, talk to your IT providers. They will. Yeah, I hope they. I hope they do. I hope they will. <laughs> they they'd better. They're supposed to. So, no, yes. cool, awesome, Scott. That's been that's Great. been very cool. Yes, thank you, Nick. No, thank you, and thank you for watching and listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you do like what what you see, make sure you subscribe. Leave us a comment. Let us know a subject you'd like us to cover. But this has been Scott and Nick and the Wind Down. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Thanks, Scott. Great. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye, bye. Bye.